I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to Episode 74 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, today is September 11th. It has been 17 years now since that fateful day that changed the course of history. So many innocent men, women, and children killed, and so many of the men and women who helped in the aftermath uh, in a desperate search for survivors have since died of numerous medical conditions. And we do our best today to remember them and and say a few prayers, keep them in our thoughts. Also, in the wake of 9-11, the trajectory of the lives of our military members was altered forever. We went from peacetime to wartime as a result of 9-11, and we now have the largest number of combat veterans since Vietnam. And as a result of that, we have tragically lost so many of our men and women who died fighting to protect our freedom. And we now also have a very large number of wounded warriors who have returned home. And we do also have many new wartime heroes, Medal of Honor winners, and stories of pure heroism and bravery And I have done what I can here to bring on as many veterans as I could, especially around this time. And today I will have the honor of speaking with former Army Airborne Ranger, Captain Sean Parnell, who has a new book hitting the bookstores today called Man of War. And Sean's first book, Outlaw Platoon, was so well written that it brought civilians like myself right into the ambush that Sean and his platoon miraculously fought their way out of, and it helped shine the light on the type of environment that our men and women have been fighting in for so many years now since the war began as a result of today's events 17 years ago. And on a personal note, those that listen, they know that I have been working on the railroad for the last 19 years, and at the time I was working in a rail yard in Hoboken, New Jersey, directly across from the World Trade Center, And one of the eeriest remembrances that I have is all the pictures of all the missing that were plastered all over the place in the depot and all over Hoboken by loved ones that were just hoping beyond hope that someone had seen their loved one. Uh, And right outside the Path Station, there is a parking lot where so many of the vehicles remained unmoved for weeks, uh, some months after the event. I couldn't help but imagine every time I would pass by the cars, the people who left their car there that day and were certainly unaware that it would be the last time and that they would never be returning to that car. So those are just a couple of things that are still very vivid in my mind as we reflect today on 9-11. So for those of you who are listening right now that may have lost a friend or a family member on this day 17 years ago, you are in my thoughts and on my mind and my prayers go out to you and I will never forget September 11th, 2001. Okay, I'm going to hit you guys with a quick spot here, and I will be right back on a much lighter side with best-selling author and real American hero, Sean Parnell, who's got a new book dropping today, Man of War. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a First Class Father who is a former Army Airborne Ranger serving as captain in the legendary 10th Mountain Division. 
He received the Purple Heart and two Bronze Stars, one of those for Valor. He is the best-selling author of Outlaw Platoon, and his new novel drops today in bookstores everywhere called Man of War. It is my honor to say, Sean Parnell, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you for having me. This is long overdue and something that we've had on the agenda for quite some time, so it's great to be here. I agree. I've been promoting this for quite a while now, and it really is an honor to finally get a chance to speak with you. All right, let me fire away here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Um, I got three kids, Ethan, Emma, and Evan, and they are nine, seven, and five. What kind of sports or activities are the kids into? Uh, well, so they're, they're, they do a little bit of everything right now, but Ethan is real big into uh, soccer and ice hockey, and so is Evan. Ev- my youngest son, Evan, just started playing um, ice hockey this year, and he just started playing soccer this season. He's only five, so he's just getting into it. Um, but my daughter also plays ice hockey. She started playing ice hockey last season. We're from Pittsburgh, so they were part of the Little Penguins program here in, in the city, which is like a, it's a great, great program for young developing hockey players. But but uh, she also does and loves horseback riding too. So, uh, but But they dabble, you know. They're into a lot of different things right now. All right. Are you a father that gets in there and coaches, or do you do that more from the sidelines? You know, I <laughs> – a couple a couple years ago, my son played in a in a flag football league that was that was pretty well organized. I mean, like they had real play, plays, quarterbacks that threw the ball and handed it off. I coached that team, um, but I, I made the decision, especially now when they're young, to step back from coaching because I think it's important for them to have you know other male influences in their lives. Because I remember thinking, like I had some amazing coaches when I was a kid that that stuck with me and their their example stuck with me later in life and I want them to have that opportunity too part of me feels like you know I want to do it I want to coach and I've, I've been all in for helping right so they'll ask for volunteers like for hockey they'll ask for volunteers to work the bench to open the doors or whatever I mean I'm all in for that stuff but I, I do think it's important for boys and and girls uh, especially to to have other coaches in their life and learn discipline and um, every coach has a different style, and I think it's important for kids to be exposed with that. Yeah, I'm with you on that philosophy. I like to coach the kids at the beginning stages and then let them have an experience of another coach as they get older, especially soccer. I, I coached uh, at least five years of soccer, and I still don't know all the rules of the sport, you know? I'm not a big I'm not a big soccer guy either. I, I grew up wrestling, and I played baseball, and I, and I played ice hockey, obviously. As I got older, I focused more exclusively on ice hockey. Soccer was never my thing, so <laughs> I'm with you. I'm out there, I'm cheering, uh, I'm playing with the kids, kicking the ball around, but as far as teaching them, like, the philosophy of the sport and the positioning, I, I'm lost. I'm a lost cause. All right, I have four kids myself, and for my wife and I, the toughest transition was going from two kids to three, so I'm curious as to what was the hardest adjustment for you? I will tell you, it was going from zero to one. It was, it, it was, it was, you know, it's the craziest thing in the world. You know, like I remember, I remember my wife's uh, water breaking. So I was still a young captain stationed up at Fort Drum and she was just a, a woman that worked. She just insisted on working uh, up until the last day of her pregnancy. Like she was nine months and then some with our first. And she was, she was an elementary school teacher uh, at Fort Drum. And I remember uh, I came home from work and she was watching a baby story on TV 
And it just so happened to be a baby story about, like, this infantry captain coming home and the wife's water break. And that's exactly <laughs> her, her Her water broke, and we rushed down to the hospital in Syracuse, which is, like, an hour away. And then she went into, like, 24 hours of labor that was really, really, really hard on her. Um, but she's tough as nails, you know. But, um, but yeah, so, like, what blows me away about that and what I'm getting to is, is I, I, what I think about all the time is we drove down to the hospital with two people, and a day later, we drove back, or two days later, we drove back with three. And the in the first meal we we stopped we stopped at was McDonald's. And my wife has a thing for McDonald's French fries and stuff, and she loves her burritos or whatever. But like, but it's just it was just kind of mind blowing to me. I'm sitting there driving back. I'm like, I got another person in this car, and and right every, everything from then on was hard. You know, you couldn't go out like kiss dinners uh, alone goodbye where your only worry is each other because even if you get a babysitter and one that you trust you're still worried about your son or daughter or new baby um you end up talking or flipping through pictures i mean life as you know it when you go from zero to one it's it's changed quickly and quickly very it's just it's just mind-blowing how fast things change and so i think that that was the, the hardest adjustment. I really feel like like adding another kid to the to the mix was was a little easier. And by the time Evan got around as our third, it just got easier still, you know. But now now they're at a point now where they outnumber us, so it 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 does get a little bit more chaotic with three. And I can't even imagine what it would be like for four. Well, just in case you're thinking about it, once you've experienced going from two to three, three to four is a piece of cake. So if four is on the table, I would say get busy. <laughs> yeah, definitely not on the table. I think we're I think we're done having kids, but um, I feel like we got the best of both worlds, man. Like we got Ethan, who's my oldest, and Emma in the middle, and Evan is a little like boy girl boy. It's a, it's a great mix. Okay, you're a best selling author, so I'd like to know what kind of books do you read to the kids? Oh, you know you know what we do. So first of all, I I love the Harry Potter stories. I read those to them. I think we're on book three, um, and so. That is like I read those books to them, but what what I what I find like mind blowing about raising kids is they're reading younger now. Do you, have you realized that? It's funny that you mentioned there the Harry Potter series. My twelve year old has knocked out the whole series already. What? Oh yeah, listen, I'm a ferocious reader myself, and I always encourage my kids to read. That's great. I mean, I think reading is one of the best things that we can do for our kids. I'm down with that. I, I write a lot, so I don't have a whole heck of a lot of time to read as much as I would like to um, anymore. But when I was a kid, I was a voracious reader, read all the time. I think it's part of the reason why I love the, the craft of storytelling. Uh, but but my kids, like what what, we, what I've started doing with them at bedtime every single night is have them read to me. You know, once they once they get once they get the rhythm down, like my youngest is going to probably learn to read by probably be reading by Christmas this year. That's just the rhythm that their school has them on. Um, and I'm, once that happens, I'm just going to have them start reading to me. And it, it's amazing um, how fast they get good at reading. And it's also amazing how they end up, how they end, it ends up helping them be more animated in the way that they read because they're reading it out loud. And it's just, it's just sort of fun to be a part of. And so it's just sort of become our ritual at night. I'm always shocked. I drive Uber on the weekends, and I'm always shocked when I ask, especially the young college kids, I'll say, hey, what book are you reading right now? And they give me, like, the eye roll. They look at me like I'm nuts. 
I, I mean, I, I tell people that, like, the only thing worse than not reading a book in the last three months is not reading a book in the last three months and not caring. It's a big deal. Yeah, well said. I agree. You know, pe- people need to read. And, and it's, it, you know, I, the people that do read, I often hear two schools of thought. I like nonfiction or I like fiction. You know, I'm, I'm my, I contend that you have to do both because, because nonfiction, you know, keeps you up to date. You know, if you're reading books that have opinions, you read about other people's opinions and you get, you can get your historical facts straight. Um, but, but fiction, it helps your imagination, you know, and that's, that's everything. That's so important. Yeah, wow. Yeah, well said. How about audio books? I, I just recently got into audio books, especially because I drive Uber now. I'm constantly listening to a book in my ear on my earphones. Uh, are you into audio books at all? I, you know, I do. I, I try to, I tried to get into audio books, right? Um, and I've listened to a few of them. Um, and I think I'm more into audiobooks with like in the sort of like leadership self help genre. Yeah, I was gonna say that myself that I can do nonfiction when it comes to the audiobooks, not fiction. When it comes to like the, the make believe characters, I wanna have those voices in my own head. Hard. Yeah, it's really hard because I'll find myself straying, my, my thoughts straying off of the story, and that's not what I want to happen for fiction. But yes, I audiobooks are cool and what's interesting about that is that I think they're accounting for like more and more of the market, like something like 30 or 40% of all sales now or something crazy, uh, audiobooks are becoming more and more successful. Yeah, and how about the digital books? Uh, I, I'm one that has to have the book in my hand. I can't do the Kindle or the e-book. How do you feel about the, the screen reading? It's really hard. You know, as a writer, I stare at this stupid computer all day. And if I'm reading a story on a PDF file on a computer, man, it gives you a headache pretty quickly. All right. Talking about reading, the moment has arrived. Man of War is now available today. I was honored that you hit me with an advanced copy. I devoured the book. What could you tell my listeners about the novel Man of War? Yeah, so Man of War is is my second book. It's fiction, and, you know, I really wanted to create a a hero uh, and Eric Steele, uh, who embodies the warrior ethos. And, you know, on 9-11, I remember watching people in the city of New York, instead of run away from flames, run into them to save people that they didn't even know. That inspired me so much that I wanted to serve someone greater than myself. I wanted to get in a fight, and I wanted to attack the people. I wanted to hit back against, against the people that attacked us. Um, but it also, that bravery and selflessness inspired me to write a character that embodies that bravery as well. And so, you know, Eric Steele is a part of, uh, the Alpha program, which is a, a program that I created out of Thin Air, a clandestine spy program. And there's nine alphas in the world, each responsible for a different geographic, uh, area in the world. And they respond to, the, the United States' greatest threats, and they work directly for the president. And so, um, and Eric Steele is the most lethal alpha in the history of the alpha program. So, um, it's a fiction book, but it's about him, but everything about that character was inspired by the bravery of those, of those civilians in New York City and the firefighters and first responders and police officers that ran into those fires and tried to save people. Okay, Man of War, out today. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Man of War. 
combat veteran, Purple Heart recipient, and New York Times best-selling author of Outlaw Platoon, Sean Parnell makes his fictional debut with Man of War, an electrifying military thriller, a gripping tale of action, suspense, and international intrigue that introduces a compelling new hero, Eric Steele. Grab your copy today wherever books are sold. Man of War by Sean Parnell. Now, I've also read Outlaw Platoon, which is a book I really believe all Americans should read. Walk me through the differences of the challenges between writing nonfiction and now fiction. Well, you know, I think um, nonfiction was a lot easier. You know, I, that's the first thing that jumps into my mind is because you're writing things that really happen to you. You know, you're writing about things that, um, yeah, you know, they really happen. They're in your mind and they're seared into your consciousness because in, in many cases they're traumatic experiences, you know. And with fiction, though, I mean, you've got to create an entire world, different characters, all of which have internal and external psychologies and conflicts. It's just mind-blowingly difficult. Uh, it took me four years to write Man of War, and I think it just, it, you know, it's it's a debut. It's my first book, right? I hope the hope is everyone will get better after that. But um, it, it was really challenging. A lot of rewrites involved in it, man. Just trying to get the story right, authentic, realistic. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm trying to do that with the second one now. You know, and so um, yeah, the big the biggest most challenging difference for me is the fact that you're just creating things from scratch with fiction. Okay, I seen you dedicated Man of War to the three E's, which I now know are your children. Do you hide the kids in the novel anywhere? Do you disguise them as characters, or are they in the book someplace? I did, but they didn't. They, I had them in some chapters. Uh, they were they were the kids' names of a character that I had to take out of the book. Um, but I'm going to put them back into book two and book three somehow. <laughs> okay. All right. You've led some tough warriors in some extraordinarily difficult situations. The most important leadership role we play is as father. How has your military career prepared you to lead the way as a father in fatherhood? Well, just that, you know, the hope is, and you, you hear this in, in that movie, We Were Soldiers, but you hope that being good at one makes you better at the other, you know, and being a good leader in the military, um, it just, if you're doing the right thing, you're, you're serving the people that you're in charge of. You're, you're a servant leader. They, their needs and their wants come before your own. And, and that, that's not unlike being a father. You know, um, you love your soul. If you're a good leader, you love your soldiers, you give your life for them if need be. That's part, to me, it's part of the job description anyway. Um, that's no different than being a father. And so, you know, my hope was that in my twenties, you know, I had experiences as a young leader in the army that it helped shape me into the father that I try to be for my kids every day. Well said. All right. I know your kids are very young yet for this, uh, but with everything you know now about the military and given your military experience, how would you feel when the time comes about your kids following your footsteps and joining the military? Yeah, I've talked to I've talked to them about it. Um, I have, you know, it's it's funny. Like my my boys sometimes, even my daughter will see military memorabilia and. Over the years, I've been, they ask more and more questions about it and stuff. And even though I try to keep that aspect of my life from them a little bit, um, and I do, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't, me being a soldier is not every aspect of my existence, you know. And so 
you know, part of coming home from war is like you're a warrior for life, but you got to put those experiences behind you just like anything else, you know. Um, that's how guys, I think, don't get stuck in it. Sometimes guys get stuck in the war forever and it haunts them forever. But um, so I've tried to keep that a little bit from my kids. But they, they, they see. They see what's going on. They see how you carry yourself. They see your memorabilia and they start asking questions. And so, you know, I'm not sure. I would be supportive. I think I'd be supportive and I'd, I think I'd be proud. But I try to steer them away from the infantry. <laughs> That's for sure. All right. I'd love to get your opinion on guns and gun safety with children. How do you feel about introducing guns to your kids? Oh, I've thought about this a lot. I think I think I'm going to start teaching my son how to handle a rifle, a rifle first at ten. All of my kids. Um, I think that's, you know, and I don't begrudge someone. A lot of people say eight is fine too, and that's probably okay as well. But for me, I think, you know, fifth grade is probably a, probably will be a good grade for him to start learning how to handle a rifle and go hunting if he wants to. He, you know, at that point, like he's self-sufficient anyway, you know, he's, he's showering, he's brushing his teeth, getting dressed on his own. Um, he's learning about responsibility and, and what better way to do that than to teach him, teach him to be, you know, you know, teach them a little bit about how to handle a rifle properly uh, and safely uh, and teach them, start teaching them about, like, where food comes from. I'm not a big hunting guy. I used to go out when I was younger a little bit. Um, but, you know, after you come back from war, every, that kind, that sort of thing, for me anyway, loses its, loses its vibe. But, you know, I, I think it's important for kids to learn how to handle a firearm. I think it's important for them to learn how to defend themselves and provide for themselves, if need be, by hunting their own food. I just do. Okay, one of the big gaps between parents and kids today is social media, but also this Fortnite craze that has kind of taken the country by storm. So how do you handle tech time with your children, and are they down with Fortnite? If they are into, I mean, my oldest son is into Fortnite, and I, it took me a long time to, just, to try to figure out whether or not I wanted to let him play, because, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like, you know, it's, you know, you're out there and you're eliminating other people. It's like this big battle royale and there are guns and it's up, but it's all cartoonish. And so I, I guess what really swayed my decision the most was that like all of his friends were playing and kids two, three years younger than him were playing too. And their dad's playing with them. And so I'm like, well, all right, I guess I'll let you play this game. Um, and I was reading a lot of the reviews. There's no blood. It's all cartoon. So I, I started letting him play little by little, but I try to control electronic time as much as I can because I think, you know, it's a fine line you have to walk. You know, our kids have to learn how to use these iPads. They have to learn how to be proficient with computers. Um, but you can't let your kid be be the be the kid that's like sitting in front of his video game for 24 hours a day, drinking Mountain Blue, uh, Mountain Dew, and you know, staying up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, you can't be that guy either. So, you know. I try to relegate their screen time in the summer to an hour a day. Um, you know, in the winter, probably a little bit more because in, in Pennsylvania, it's just hard to get outside, you know. It's, it's definitely something that as a parent, that's on my mind all the time. Yeah, it's one of the big things that I struggle with now big time since I started this podcast, especially. I'm not leading by example because I never had any of these social media accounts before I started the podcast. And now... I constantly find myself with the phone in front of my face while I'm telling my children to put the devices down. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, and I didn't even get, I didn't even touch on social media, which I, you know, they're still so young. Um, they're still so young. 
I, I haven't even given that much thought. But my, I, I don't want them on it until they're 18. I mean, I just feel like, oh, my God, can you imagine if we had social media when we were growing up? Yeah, I'm glad I mean, we didn't. I'm glad we didn't as well. I mean, like, you know, I was bullied pretty terribly as a kid growing up. Um, at, at least when I got home, I could escape it. But a lot of these kids now, like, they can't. They have no sanctuary because if they're on social media, th- th- these bullies just come after them on there and there's cyberbullying going on. So it's yeah. just – it's and, and I, I, I mean, God, I can't imagine – having to grow up with smartphones and video recording and uh, some of the things that people would have caught me doing as a kid. I, I, I don't know. Right. I, I'm, yeah. I'm afraid to even think of it, man. The pressure that our kids are under now, nowadays are just, I mean, it's just, it's just monumental. Okay. I definitely like to hit all the dads I get on the podcast with this one. What kind of advice do you have for the new father or the about to be dad that's out there listening? Be involved. You know, just be involved in the lives of your kids. It's everything. And I, and I'm telling you right now, if if you're thinking about having kids or you got a wife or girlfriend that's pregnant, yeah, you're thinking, yeah, of course, buddy, of course I'm going to be involved. But four or five years down the line, you're going to be tired. You're going to be working long hours. The baby's going to be up screaming at night, and you're not going to want to get out of that bed to go pick up that baby or, you know, go handle a sick kid. Or when you get back from work, like sometimes the last thing you want to do is go outside and throw the football around with your son or push your little girl on a swing, but make yourself do it. And so it's easy to want to be involved early on, but like to be a father for the life of your kid means doing things even when you don't feel like doing them. And so, uh, and just trust, trust when I tell you when your kids are little, they're going to want you involved. You know, and they'll thank you for it later. Awesome. All right, how about the parents whose kids just got out of high school and have just joined the military or they're desiring to join the military? What kind of advice do you have for them? Well, I would say go into it with an open mind, but I think more than anything else, you just that parents of kids that join the military just need to be supportive and tell them that they can do it, you know? that they can do it, that they're serving something greater than themselves. Yeah, I know that they'll be scared and they'll be nervous and they'll want, you know, it is anxiety provoking. There's no question about it, but just be supportive and, and, and have their back because the last thing that, you know, your son or daughter needs to worry about when they're serving in combat is whether or not their parents have their back, you know, cause that distraction is something that distraction is something. Well, let's just say, let's just say that if they're distracted about that, they're not thinking about the enemy that's out there trying to get them. All right, Army career in the books, best-selling author. What's next for Sean Parnell? Well, I'm trying to finish this next book. It's done right now. The first draft is done, so I'm just going through it right now and, and trying to brush as much detail in it as I possibly can and make it as good as I possibly can. So I want to get this next book done, and then uh, and I want to launch this book. I want to launch Man of War, and I want to make it successful. All right, let's do it. You heard him. Man of War, available now. Go and get your copy. Sean, tell them, where can they go and get one? You can get Man of War anywhere books are sold. Cut and dry there? I mean, uh, I mean that's, you know, what they, that's what they always tell you to say as an author. Like, don't just say Amazon, because then all the brick-and-mortar bookstores get upset. So what I've come to find is that say, you can get the book anywhere books are sold is the politically correct answer so as not to make angry other booksellers. <laughs> uh, that's the same thing I do with the podcast here. Right? Listen to it anywhere podcasts can be heard. So, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, exactly. 
All right, I want to let you go. I know you got a lot of promoting to do today. It's a big day for you. I can't say thank you enough. It was really an honor to speak with you. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. I just thanks for having me. Uh, be involved in the lives of your kids. They'll thank you for it later. All right, Sean Parnell, everybody. I'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to best-selling author Sean Parnell. And keeping along with this best-selling theme that I got going here, tomorrow I will have another best-selling author on the podcast, Brad Meltzer, who has a book dropping today as well called I Am Neil Armstrong. I love his I Am series with all the heroes that our kids can really be looking up to. So I'm very excited to speak with Brad tomorrow right here on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and tune in. And Brad also has a story to share. He was responsible for finding the missing 9-11 flag, the one that was planted by the firefighters on Ground Zero. So please stick around for that. You don't want to miss tomorrow's episode with first class father Brad Meltzer. I got to say thank you to all my listeners out there. You guys continue to shower me with support on social media, and you're really pushing this podcast up the charts on iTunes. So thank you very much. And please take a second to think about becoming a contributor, a monthly contributor to the podcast, so I can keep this thing going here where fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We're fathers, and we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. Your half-truths and tales, as tall as a tree, I saw feelings.